Hello fellow earth beings. Welcome back to season two of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and together we will be going on an adventure of discovery as we explore topics such as what does it mean to become? How do I move forward after hard times? What even is spirituality? How do our neurotypes affect us? And so much more. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of tea, and let's embrace the journey. Hello, hello, welcome back to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I have a super guest, super amazing guest with you guys today. I am also super. (laughs) He is also very super. And first, I just, like, before I introduce you and all of that good stuff, I want to just tell kind of the story of how our paths crossed because it was one of those moments where everything is just kind of aligning and you don't really know what's going on, (laughs) but you just kind of go Mm. with it anyways. So I go for walks almost every morning. I try to go every morning and I like to take pictures and that's like my morning meditation because I'm like looking through this camera lens like really closely and intensely at nature and it I don't have anything else in my mind. So I had dropped my daughter off at school and I was going for one of these walks downtown um, by the river. And as I was coming back from the walk, I saw this human in the middle of this like park. It's it's not even like a park. Is it a park space? Yeah, it's like this park space, like in the downtown square um, of our community. And he's, like, got all of these things set up. I'm like, hmm, he had sound bowls and, you know, the whole seating thing. I was like, what is going on over here? So I went over, and it turns out that he was doing um, sound healing. He was offering sound healing. And so then, yeah, I just was went on a walk, and all of a sudden ended up in this, like, magical, like, sound healing portal and I, we continued to, you kept offering the sound healing downtown, and I would go sometimes when it would align. And now, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Indeed. Sitting, if you guys hear, I don't know if you can hear, but we are sitting outside on this very um, magical property. There's birds and trees rustling in a little pond. It's a pretty cool spot. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, so, so, I haven't even said, so our guest here today is Jeremy, um, and would you like to just kind of introduce yourself, like tell us a little bit about you, and yeah. what's important to you, and yeah. what's going on? <laughs> Thank you, well, first of all, I'm honored to be here, it's been a really wonderful experience getting to be friends, and uh, all of the synchronicities that have uh, aligned for us to continue to connect and share space. So I'm full of gratitude for that. Um, as for me, I was born and raised in L.A., joined the Air Force out of high school, and that brought me to Texas. I was married 12 years. I've got three wonderful kids. I taught middle school and high school for about 12 years. 
and I had an, an, a, this horrible thing that was, uh, I was being led by my mind and the things that I thought I was supposed to be. And so I was very much a slave to the projections of what I was hypervigilant about picking up on what I thought other people needed me to be. Mm. And I didn't know any better. So I was evangelical Christian and devout. And those experiences that I was having, which were very real for me, still are. And when I was 35, I decided to start changing the way that I use food because I was morbidly obese. And that got me, it took me about two years, but I lost 100 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And that began a journey that I started getting healed. I started feeling better. I had all these complex medical health issues that came along with that, that I was certainly pre-diabetic and certainly having also, my doctor told me a few years earlier I wouldn't live to be 50. Mm. And I just didn't care. I was certainly manic depressive. I had all these like mental health issues. And the last 11 years of my life has been me just really taking responsibility for my experience. And in that reverse engineering things that I needed that I couldn't, I didn't, wasn't finding elsewhere. You know, being a man, I'm certainly very masculine and, mm-hmm. but also too very connected with my feminine. And, in that space was like, I'm a very emotional dude, <laughs> but I'm also a dude, you know? <laughs> and so just, I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't, wasn't, I was finding things that were like for women or for men. And I just didn't find, things helped me along the way. Um, lots of things helped me along the way. I got involved in um, several human development organizations that were basically doing uh, Jungian analytical psychology. Um, there were working on belief system management, which is very psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, a lot of them got real sideways when it got to emotions, when it got to energy. They just had some very bizarre, to me, I was like, this isn't really how it goes. This is not how <laughs> I experience the world. Yeah. This is not, I'm not picking up on this. And so thing after thing after thing and got deeper. And through all of this, it was, I was still very much connected to my faith and that practice of, at the time, Christianity, and as I started getting more open to other experiences, like just all the different religions, but also plant medicines, things like that, my horizons started broadening. And through all of it, I had this core experience of God within. That was what I was raised with. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like this uh, uh, um, opportunity for me to have like a comparison. Like I knew when God was sp- speaking to me. And it was getting stronger and clearer and as I was healing myself and doing more of this work. And so through that, I realized that I want to be able to help people in this way. And so I got a master's degree in 2008 in games for learning. And that just really became this idea of play. And I started using improv for human development because it's such a really powerful way to visualize experiences that are traumatic and rewire them or to be in a space of being the observer of the different parts of yourself. So there's all sorts of different ways that people use that tool. I just use it my way and facilitate in that space and through that lens got to this land here to be friends with the landowner who is the founder of a thing called Sound Self. And so I'm one of the facilitators. It's a light and sound therapy tool that I've come to uh, practice over the years. And then in the middle of that, got certified in 2019 as an epigenetics coach. 
Hmm. Just getting deeper in my own healing and then understanding more about this emotional experience that I was having, this energetic flow of creation, manifestation, relating, friends, romantic work, all of the human endeavors that was really just me healing myself. And then I started realizing that I was able to share how I was doing what I was doing with others and that... um, came to this idea of meaning making and how this emotional experience of the phenomenal world, like this frog, I'm sure you guys can hear this frog. (laughs) Just like even the noticing of the environment, right? Of that, like I'm in all of this, but I'm also part of it, right? Like I get to be here and throw rocks in the pond if I want to, or break a branch off if I want to, right? But that space of like, who is it that I get to be? is a thing that I get to keep discovering. And and I realize that if I can frame that as a game, then I'm framing it in a space where I have the choice. Mm. So you're gamifying it. In a way, I'm gamifying yeah. it. I don't use that word because that means something that is not what I do. Mm. Um, but in a sense, certainly, I'm helping people recognize that, yeah, there's a certain part of being human that you don't get to choose. And that we oftentimes have grapple with those things that are difficult to move, difficult to shift, rather than what is the thing that I can do and how can I get excited about that? How can I, not necessarily get excited, but how can I do it in a way that feels meaningful to me, that feels like something I'm actually going to do that certainly requires self-discipline. But having that space is like saying like, I'm going to be in self-discipline because I know that I've framed it, that I get, I, this is the thing that I'm getting out of it. Right. You know? And so for me, changing the way that I use food was initially, I would, I had framed it to where when I'm eating by myself, I'm going to be like very, like, I'm going to eat really well, like really good, the best choices that I know. And when I eat with other people, I can eat whatever I want. Mm. And so that game, I didn't know started helping me realize that when I was eating whatever I want, ate the pizza, ate the bar- barbecue buffalo wings, all this processed food, I felt horrible. Yeah. And so it really, in my nervous system, in my body, was this framing of my thinking mind for experiences that I had not connected in my body yet. And so that's part of it is the sensations that come through body of this phenomenal world. But another part of it is the meaning that my mind is connecting about that phenomena. This sensation in my stomach means I'm hungry. (laughs) This sensation in my shoulders or tenseness or my irritability means I'm tired. Right? Those sorts of things that we get in the the gambit of those things Mm -hmm. that really is that fundamental ability that I realize that it's about having that thinking mind coming internal to the feeling body to then emerge to allow the emergence rather of this divine element that is coming back to this the, the, I love the word coherence that I'm coming back to this core self that is what I was made to be and oftentimes that uh, you've heard this in uh, uh, to get out of the mind and get down into the heart mm-hmm. like that the, the hardest 12 inches you'll ever move and I say that you're only going to be projecting, uh, you're only going to be stepping into and living a projection of your mind by doing that, that really it's best to go into the stomach, to, into this intuitive spaciousness, to hear from this divine flow that reminds me of things that I've 
forgotten about. That reminds me of the core of who I get to be. And in that, coming back to the new practice, because I've put in all these things that are these coping mechanisms that either don't serve or were never authentic. That I was doing it because I was trying to earn the approval of this community or partner or friend, whatever, right? This job that I wanted, right? And so in that authenticity space, in that uh, vulnerability space, in that uh, energetic space, I didn't know this at the time, but I now know that like longevity, health, the way that these cells do all of the things that these (laughs) cells do is in direct correlation with my ability to think and that that thinking structure sends down that electricity that this magnetism responds in accordance with it. Yeah. And it's not like if I think health, I'm going to just be healthy. It's way more dynamic than that. It's more like tuning the radio station. And sometimes I get bent out of shape and sometimes I'm not well resourced. And sometimes you know, I have these human experiences. But my practice has yeah. gotten infinitely better. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I want to talk about those those human experiences because I think something that gets a lot of people like hung up on their on their journey of of healing or self-actualization or whatever you want to call it um is when they are do get to those spaces where uncomfortable emotions show up or anger, frustration, jealousy, any of these things that someone might put in a box of of bad, that's a bad emotion. And people then start to feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm an imposter. I'm not, you know, really making this progress or I'm not like high vibe enough or I'm now I'm not, I'm going to, you know, manifest bad things because I'm feeling bad. Like, I want to, I know that you have a really interesting view on that. Yeah. Um, let's dive into that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, the first thing that, you, that comes up that is relevant to the way that you frame that is most of us live our lives from the perspective of the thinking mind. And so they think about the thing and they have the experience that they don't like an emotion or they don't like an experience and they want it to change because they don't like it. And that makes sense. But when coming from the mind, the mind has this really tricky thing that it does. It plays this trap game with us that it connects A to B and makes us an assumption that it goes from A to B without any awareness of the space in between because it doesn't mm. see the space. There's nothing there. So it thinks it goes from A to B. But that chasm <laughs> in going from A to B, that we skip over all of these things that is the point, that is the work. Mm-hmm. It's in the spaces that we don't see about ourselves that are outside of that awareness. And so this is why I say, like, if we're going to have this thinking mind lead the show, it's a, what is the old saying? It's a, It's a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. Mm. And so to bring this mind internal to this uh, divine space that we have access to through the gut brain, through the internalization of body, the one word is interoception. This interoception is the ability for mind to have the uh, the awareness of the sensations of body. So part of that is a genetic production of chemicals. Uh, not only mechanical sensations like pressure, um, but also chemical. For example, hunger and satiety, fullness or hunger, is a 
a, a mechanical one at first, but then it's a chemical one. So it's these layers of things that is that ability to bring that thinking mind internal to the feeling body, but then we have to get to make meaning of the experience. And that's where if mind is leading the show, it is only going to make it mean what it already knows. And so to bring that, here's what I know, internal to be reminded of what it's forgotten, but also to be curious about something to discover that it doesn't know yet. And so to me, that space of living from this surrendered, in-service, devoted life has been key to my work of trusting that unknown of really coming to the space like there's things that I know that I have capability to with within my faculties of intelligence or abilities to do with my body right that I just have grown to learn to trust just enough right as I started clearing things up it started getting easier and it started going towards it more and I I judge that in that space of that experience that you talked about with other people which is so common is that because we begin with the mind and we're trying to resolve this energetic experience through thinking it's just these loops of patterns because we're putting out what we already know and we're looking for new things without looking for them so Mm -hmm. we continue to find these patterns being stuck as far as the emotions are concerned i like to call emotions meaning making charges because we tend to have emotions around things that matter, right? We have a reaction to something, and it might be totally irrational. Usually emotions are not rational. But in that space of the meaning behind it, that's my programming here. Like when people have responses that aren't relevant or they seem overdramatic or they don't fit for the situation... Oftentimes in our culture, it's the masculine men pointing the finger at the irrational feeling women saying, you're crazy, or all that dismissal, when really it's that most men are disconnected from that awareness of those emotions. Biologically, they're not as uh, uh, connected, whereas women are more connected in that space. And so in this experience of what you're talking about of navigating these things, it's really, I, I judge and, and practice that it's what I get to learn about myself. Like I have a, what I call a charge. There's an experience and I like it. And I, and I find myself wanting to do all these things or create all of the, say a lot of words, right? But instead of that mind making those decisions, I get to, I choose to sit with it. Thank you for that experience. Thank you for this feeling and get to see like, is this really what I want? Maybe. But I'm going to just slow down, mm-hmm. you know, to really allow mind to come into service for what it is that I really want. And so to come back to this um, imposter syndrome, what then st- what mind naturally starts doing when it can't complete, it can't uh, bring the energy to completion, it can't put the baby to bed, it can't, you know, move the needle. I, I'm having a hard time making that change in my life. I keep coming back to doing the same pattern is that it judges itself. 
and it's on top of each other. Usually it's, you're not thinking like, oh God, that was, you know, I see what I did there and I think I'm in judgment of that. You're already into the judgment usually. The thing has happened and we're on top of it. It's saying like, how stupid am I? Or we're, you know, these, this internal language that we call ourselves idiots or we dismiss the experience or we take responsibility for something that may not be ours, hmm. right? That this thing happened, I have this experience in the field and my impact that I'm having because of this experience, and we confuse them. That we think that this is making me feel this way. And the mind can't, doesn't know the difference. It sees the flow of this thing, and it's, so it's rational, logical. And the equation is not rational nor logical. Mm-hmm. It's energetic. It's emotional. And so to move those things, we need energetic models and practices. And that's what I do is help people come to the space of knowing themselves so that way they can work with themselves. Last thing I'll say, because I'm curious about your feedback, is that usually the mind wants to bring resolution. It wants to solve the problem. It wants to get the answer. It wants to come to this state that it's projecting it thinks it needs. And really, I've found that it's just about bringing that energy of thinking down into the body to breathe. And that breath is... uh, direct correlation of the nervous system and so it allows the thinking to subside it allows that uh, anxiety mind that overwhelm that story that spins out of control with judgment and self-talk and all this stuff that's difficult to get over that you can't stop your mind from thinking that's what it does but we can have a practice of slowing it down and creating more space in that to create more curiosity in between the judgments of I think I know or I have part of the equation and I'm looking for the other part. And so just that simple nature of like, oh, I'm in my thinking mind right now. I'm in the energy of thinking. Hmm. Rather than like when we get ravenous or super tired and bodies like in control, right? It's doing the, like the fight or flight, right? All these nervous system responses that we talk about all the time. That those two, feeling and thinking, are the two that come together to flow who it is that we really are in this being. And that being is the electromagnetic field of my thinking and my feeling coming together. Because they're not separate. It's all one, right? And so that practice of the things that you're talking about is all the time. The way that we talk about these things is there's like 12 layers in the the dynamic that you just described. Mm -hmm. And so to be like, hey, let's start with this first one. And maybe not the first one, but what's the most meaningful one? And so for me, the practice that I teach and through the sound healing and the meditations that I lead is just noticing that I'm in it. (laughs) That to me has been the most meaningful ability is to come into the role of the observer. Oh, I'm upset with this person. They said something, and I didn't even think about what they said, but I'm already retorting. I'm already coming at them with daggers, and I'm already clenching my whatever the body does and whatever the mind does is noticing this experience over here of the impact of the environment. So that way, I can come into navigating the impact. I can be present with myself, having the experience, and then I can choose who it is that I truly get to be rather than the pre-programmed response of the meaning that I made through my childhood into adolescence and now in adulthood that I'm practicing what I think I already know that most of the time is what someone else handed us or that we've coped through 
and have adopted this way that we think it and, and that we in that are creating that experience because of the response or the reaction. And really. then we've like practiced it a certain way for so long that we're just like, oh, this is just this is just the way it is. That's this it. is the cycle. Yeah. The body's already down the road doing what it's doing because yeah. the mind is thinking these things and sending those signals down into the body. But it's really interesting because with with those cycles, like exactly what you're saying, like your body gets used to those cycles. They get used to even the hormone releases, like this happens and this happens and then I yep. get mad and then I shut down and then I, and so it just starts automatically running through these processes. But what I really like that you mentioned is, is the practice of, and having a practice of just being with yourself I think is one of the one of the most powerful things that we can do and yeah. and having it be something that is in our routine and that is part of just what we do is like I'm going to wake up and I'm even if it's just like 5 minutes even if it's just yeah. while you're brushing your teeth you're yeah. just getting into a space of, of of observing you know it doesn't have to be you know, a whole two-hour extravaganza. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to sit in a cushion for t- 12 hours a day for sure. Yeah, yeah. or like washing wash, washing the dishes and just yeah. having the practice of asking yourself, where is this feeling coming from? Yeah. Like, is this mine? Yeah. Like, when was the first time that I could remember feeling like this and what, you know, what happened. And getting into the practice of just that observation so you can start to notice the patterns of like, oh, this is, well, actually, that I react that way because that's how I've always seen my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, everyone always responds like that. So that's how we're supposed to respond. But then like asking yourself, well, is that actually true to me? Like, do I actually believe that? Yeah. And sometimes the hardest part is when we're in those emotions Mm. and to, Mm. to get into that space of observation and to remind ourselves like, Hey, let's just take a second and look at this. Cause those are the times when we need to do it the most, but that's, those are also the times when it's the, most challenging to do it. So I love just like having the practice of, because as you start to integrate that into your routine, it starts to become another automatic reaction where your body starts going through those motions. Like you have to do it intentionally for a while, you know, but eventually it just starts to be. That's right. It just starts to be. I I love that. And I'm grateful for your calling out that practice. Because that's been the core of what I teach is that we're practicing our ability and that observer role coming into the observation of nothing out here and everything in here. And in each moment, like, and this is what I, in my meditation, is just practicing noticing the thinking mind wandering. And then that practice of noticing that it's wandered and then bringing it back home to that structure of the grounding breathwork. Because that grounding breath work is the anchor in the body. And that anchor in the body gives us that sovereignty that it's one of the few things in the body that we can actually control that has a direct correlation to the experience of the body. Mm. Is that when we can get a hold of that breath, when we can slow it down, when we can breathe into the belly, 
the nervous system regulates itself. It takes practice. That's this idea of practice is like if I'm just going to show up and expect myself to be resilient, expect myself to be uh, not resourced and then also perform or to have difficult things come through, it's just not going to be there, right? And so the space of like like you're saying first thing in the morning, two minutes, time is irrelevant. It's about the practice that we get into that the more time we can put that in the body, not I got to do eight hours a day, but it's more like I'm doing two minutes every you know morning and night for the next year that's going to be what moves the needle because it really gets us into that space of like you said observing my experience to decide like oh wait a minute i don't need to engage in that (laughs) that's that person creating all these things that's nothing to do with me i can just stand here and nod my head and not allow them that sovereignty for me to be engaged and to be involved in this thing that's being offered to me to co-create I mean, it's the same thing with food. It's the same with all the bodily drives, with all of our human relating, with the, the work that we want to do in the world, right? All this, like, I have to find my purpose. That's a mind thing. Our purpose is to just be who we were made to be. We were doing that when we were two, you know, these first several years of our lives, we were just raw being. <laughs> but we learn how to be with others, right? We learn how to be in society. We learn how to be in service, to this dimension and I think that's the space of this practice of my abilities of coming into the observer and then I teach a framework with that I don't know if we want to get into that now but I mean it's to me it's this idea of meaning making so it comes down to this really fundamental really simple things that make a profound difference that I'm not trying to resolve something it's that I'm coming back to I've let go of this fundamental ability that I keep skipping over that's noticing I'm being triggered. (laughs) Something's up for me. Let me slow down and get clear here before I'm engaging and trying to resolve. And like you said, my body's now doing this thing it knows to do, right? I'll, I'll people please because then they'll like me and I won't get kicked out of the cool kids club. Or let me just, you know, say yes to your face, but then go ruin everything. But however we've learned to get power, to get that sovereignty, is that we get to relearn how to come back to the sovereignty we've always had. Mm. You know, like we get so in that space of the fears that we project out here that we're coping around to prevent this bad thing that we forget that, oh, I've oriented this whole experience in the lens of fear. (laughs) Rather than, and this is what most people, like you're saying, come to that that space of overwhelm or self-judgment because they don't even know what they want. They don't have a clear sense of who am I? You know, they might have a label, they might have a word, they might have Mm -hmm. a title, they might have a role, but that sense of knowing self is largely absent. (laughs) What would you say has been something that has helped you the most in releasing that self-judgment? I'd say the the breath work. And the reason the breath work is so meaningful is for me, because I do have these like really intense emotional life, that I remember this space that I can control that. That I'm not just at the mercy of these experiences that I'm, I'm having internally. And what I found through my breathwork practice is that I'm, I can ground that, that those cycles that this body's creating this like butterfly stomach, throat choked up, you know, the 
clenching of the jaw, the fists go, whatever, right? The you can even things that you like, you know. Like for me, I'm a super romantic, and so like all this is like creating myself to say fancy romantic things or set up swings over ponds and things like that that are like these just these things that are there they're, they're, they don't mean anything but to create that space and to come back into like let me just take a breath let me okay I think I want to say something but maybe I just don't want to say something maybe I just want to be here and just notice like oh this is a wonderful moment rather than the emotions driving that so that ability to ground to allow the the, that electromagnetism that's up, this song, I love mm-hmm. that mechanism, this metaphor of, of the symphony that my body and mind are singing in that moment, that I can allow that, thank you for that, instead of stop it, no, quick, can't play that song here, you know, it's not loud, whatever, or I don't like it, or gosh, you're going to get in trouble if you do this, right, don't, don't make anybody mad, that sort of thing. That to me, just being able to take that, that I've taught my body over the years that I've been doing this, that that single breath for me, I feel my body soften. I feel that charge in my system subside. I feel myself having a little bit more clarity of the total situation. I feel myself being in more integrity, that I'm not just throwing out all these things that are constantly at this whim of this emotion that's coming through, but that I have access to it. I can allow it when I want to. I can allow it when I feel safe. I feel like this person's earned the right for me to share more of myself rather than I'm always having to be out there and open and people-pleasing and doing all these things to try to cope through all of this sort of stuff. So that was a very long-winded answer, <laughs> but my breath work to me, for me. Yeah, I have had some very intense experiences with breath work, but I really like how you keep it, like, really simple. Mm. You know, it's just Mm. that, like you said, just one breath. Like, you just need to take that one breath to really, like, reconnect and just, like, be aware and intentional. Yeah. It doesn't... I... I feel like so often, and this is, again, like, our thinking mind, it's like we... Oh, we complicate everything. Like we're like, we have to have all of these steps and processes, yeah. and this is like what yeah. it's supposed to look like. Yeah. When really it can just be as simple as just taking a breath and just yeah. noticing, um, noticing what's going on in your mind yeah. and your body. Like we're yeah. so disconnected. From our bodies. How do you think we got to this point of, and this is maybe a very big question, yeah, but like sure. of being in such disconnect with. Well, I mean, it's, it's both good things and bad things, right? I think part of it is certainly the species development, right? The conveniences we've created for ourselves that we've removed ourselves from these very harrowing experiences right like i have to 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 go farm the land because if not my community won't eat Mm. (laughs) right i have to make more babies because if not we won't have people to help take care i'm making stuff up i don't know but these sorts of spaces that we've got indoor plumbing now we've got electricity pretty much everywhere we've got vehicles that are basically teleporting us to (laughs) right all these spaces and um that we've removed ourselves from our more natural environment and now we get to integrate Mm -hmm. we get to come back home so i think that that first space of uh i love the language that we at birth have had a a separation experience 
and that we don't really have a lot in our society that is supporting us integrating back into what we had as this you know uh, exit from the wound excuse me the womb (laughs) but in that is that wound right that's birth is a very traumatic experience for human right that first imprint this is what this nurturing this development of those first seven to 12 years depending on the human is about that nature versus nurture right this thing has been handed this genetics and is having its own meaning making it is sovereign it's believing what it wants to believe whether it's what mom and dad say or not but that we have that subjugation model that it's best to empower that little human to be in charge of themselves but if we as adults don't have that understanding or that practice or the energetic ability kids are picking up on our energy mm-hmm. without knowing it they're picking up on the the what we mean behind what we say right mm-hmm. they know the patterns of what we do and they're anticipating and doing those sorts of things and so that so to come back to your your question of like what what's happened and I I think it's the natural process of us creating what it is that we want to create. Of course, we want to make things easier and simpler for it. Capitalism isn't the devil. This patriarchy isn't this wrong thing. It's our our human nature and not wanting to look at the things that we don't want to see. It's that shadow element. Mm. It's the things that we don't want to know or see that we'd continue to not want to know or see. We don't want to look at that. We don't want to look at that. I'll resist it in war and kill it before I look at it, (laughs) before I actually hold space with it. And so to me, it's that experience that's coming back home to who it is that we were made to be from that birth moment that doesn't know any of those conveniences, right? It's just born into the middle of them. Mm. And so, you know, the most of the society that you and I experience, we talk about going into the city, is this is mental projection of... You wake up in plastic, you put on your rubber shoes, you, you, you walk out of your concrete building, you get into your plastic and rubber car, you go to another glass and metal building <laughs> and you walk up and all this like, you never actually around earth and then you go, oh, gosh, we really need to go on that camping trip we've always talked about. And you maybe once a year when our bodies are made to be around this all the time and this being this natural environment that Jamila and I are in for the listener. Um, <laughs> But just to me, that's that space of like simplifying. I, I don't need all of the things that I thought I needed. That most of these drivings of the mind to consume and possess is the mind. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really truly resolving anything for the body, let alone the spirit, let alone this energy that's flowing through us. That's why community is burgeoning right now. Because of this, this split in our species-wide psyche... <laughs> That's gotten most people to be polarized into the group that they feel like they identify with. So we're retreating in sides. And I judge that the thing that is most meaningful is to have space to practice going through those things rather than walling up and warring with that one over there. That bad guy. He's the one doing all these things we're experiencing. Or the government. They're the ones doing all these things. No, we're allowing all of it. And it makes sense because, God, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, most of the things we know as life were just not here, you know. Let alone all of the social contracts that we've developed, right? right? All of the expectations of leadership that we've developed. You know, I mean, it's dynamic. 
So like huge growth over this time. And we take generations to shift in accordance with those things. So it's like good news, bad news. And answering to your question is <laughs> like solutions on an individual level are definitely available. And there's definitely a crucible to go through that is the meaning making that I've held on to that I think I need all these things. So as most people come to that space is like, okay, I got it to where it's good enough. <laughs> I don't have to keep driving. And then other people that are like, oh God, I need to keep fixing myself because I'm still broken. Yeah. Both are limitations that eventually won't serve you any longer. They will at the beginning of the journey, but eventually that becomes the trap that you're now in. And so then coming back to that surrendering, I think I know because I've got these experiences or these thoughts and this meaning making of how it's worked before, but just I'm not working anymore. And so this as a species of the where we find ourselves is none of that stuff's wrong or bad. It's just not resonant. It's not sustainable. <laughs> Right. And so in that sense, it has these outcomes that we don't want, which we can say are bad <laughs> for the outcome that we do want, right? Right. <laughs> and so I think in that space of like putting it in that context of recognizing that like some people say there's no good or bad. This is all fake. Nah, this is all real and there is good or bad. But recognizing the context and how we do those things, it's good for this. It's bad for that. It's all about the perspective that the mind holds and puts out there. And so most of those things I say are about the practice in here because I can't really do much of anything about me. Almost not. I can all do nothing about it. I can do a little <laughs> bit, right? I can get a shovel and move some dirt and I can lead a cult and have this, right? <laughs> but in the bigger picture of things, I can't really touch much of that at all. I can touch almost everything in here though. And that's been that, that space that I've felt like I'm called to because I'm so, I've done so much of it for myself and changing who it is that I had become that I, I wasn't designed for. And I do think, I mean, I think that there's, there's a ripple effect, of course. you know, like as you're doing this work for yourself, there's people around you who are witnessing and observing the changes that are happening yeah. in you. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, hmm, maybe I should take a look at this kind right. of, and then they, they might start doing a thing here That's right. or there. And as you know, as more of us start really taking a look at ourselves, um, I think it does create this ripple effect. And it's not, you know, it's not yeah. going to change overnight, but I definitely feel like as a society, we have reached this point where there is a lot of people who are kind of reaching their breaking point where they're like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want any of this crap. (laughs) I don't know why I thought I did or who told me, you know, but, and then coming back into that space of like, who am I and what is it that I actually want and care about? That brings up an interesting conversation that may or may not have time for today, but about the idea of archetypes that we tend to think of archetypes as prescriptive I'm mm. the whale, I'm the lion, I'm the ferret, I'm the, uh, the mage, I'm the, the wise, I'm the, her- the hermit, right? All these, that all those are structures outside of ourselves that someone says that really the archetypes are the ideal self that I hold mm. for myself. I want to be like this person. And usually those are so like muddy. There's so, there's so many things packed onto it that we begin when we're kids. I want to be like my Uncle Jimmy. I want to be like my Aunt Cynthia, 
right? I want to be like grandpa. I want to be just like my dad, <laughs> right? All these people. I want to be like uh, Mrs. Favenhurft from my third grade class, whatever, right? These We experience people that we just resonate with. It's that, again, this field of electromagnetism of our beingness that Mrs. Favencraft is such a sweet woman that holds this nurturing that I long for because I don't get it at home that I see that as this thing that I'm drawn, whatever. So you start seeing these these archetypes that we put out that ours is, is this projection of the ideal, which is helpful, but can also be this trap of, of expectation, right? That we put out onto others, but that we hold it for ourselves that we're most blind to. So mm. it's kind of this, this very complex system <laughs> to yeah. try to like come down to the real fundamental uh, abilities to practice, you know, and that we come to the awareness that, you know, it's not fixed. I'm constantly changing, you know, and although there are a bunch of people, a good portion of society that have been clear about who they were since they were in 12th, you know, 12th grade, right? Since they hit adolescence, they knew, oh, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. And so they're baffled by people that are confused about them. They don't understand because they don't have that experience within themselves. And so to come to that awareness of like, okay, maybe I don't know everything is an act of humility, and so most people, especially the ones that are in power, that have that clarity of self, that have a pattern, that they try to teach other people to support other people, not wrong, not bad, but not everyone's made that way. And so we're now in the space of getting the opportunity to be in land, be part of a community, running a garden or natural buildings, right? Yeah. All these sorts of new things that we're coming back to, right? That's not trying to destroy or dismantle all this AI or technology, but really integrate it. Yeah. And that integration is, that's the, that's the work we're doing. So we're integrating all these things. We've brought in all these things. They're not wrong, they're not bad. We've just used them in really poor ways, <laughs> right, to subjugate ourselves. Yeah, it's like we had all these new toys and we just weren't sure how to use them properly. <laughs> yeah, and we fashioned them into this, like, God awful. It's like, wait, what are you doing? This is to be doing this other, and that we get to discover that for ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and mm. about all of this. I always love to hear, you know, what, what you're, what you're thinking about this whole crazy world. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? Anything, if like, if you were to be like, hey, if this is the only thing that you take out of this whole hour-long conversation, I I want it to be this. What would that be? Scrolling through my head (laughs) all the things I want to say. That we're energetic beings, that we're spiritual beings, and that that's the most meaningful thing that we can uh, put our hands to, is things that have that energetic meaning, that have that depth that is the future that we're birthing ourselves into. And so nervous system regulation, right? Grounding breath work, not activating breath work. Activating breath work is great to bring resilience into the body. But when it comes to navigating emotions, it's grounding breath work. And so that ability to know the difference of that in the body, right? To have these experiences. So keep on practicing. There it is. I found yeah. I found the one you thing I want to say. Keep on practicing. Yeah. Keep on practicing. I love it. Thank you. Um, and if 
you so you don't really, you don't really use Facebook or anything like that. But you, I'm on you, Facebook. You are. You yeah. use Facebook, a in, bit, yeah. Instagram, Instagram mostly. Instagram a lot. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys want to connect more with Jeremy and kind of learn more about what he's about, I will put um, a link to his Instagram and Facebook. I guess. In, yeah, there's a in, website in there, but in it's, the web, yeah. yeah, whatever. I will get yeah. all of the information. <laughs> I will put it yeah. in the description below. So if you want to hear more of his insights or learn about opportunities for sound, sound healing, um, yeah. it will be there, and you will be able to find it. So thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for tuning into this episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. If you found value in this episode, please make sure you leave us a review. That helps our podcast grow. See you next time.